think we all have to really let go of the insecurity we feel about what we think other people think of us. And we all have those fears and anxieties, and they get in the way of living life the fullest that we can live it. They get in the way of relationships. They get in the way of moving forward on the things that are our dreams. If we don't move past those, we, we get stuck. Get rid of the idea that people are thinking a certain way of you. Just be who you are. Welcome to Start the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley, and today I'm joined by my good friend, Mark Shelsky. Over, you can find him over at markallenshelsky.com. Mark, we're in Portland hanging out, sipping on some uh, hot tea. Just had a really nice Thai meal. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad you're here in Portland. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be in Portland, so I put it out on Facebook. I'm in Portland. What do you recommend? And a number of people said, well, you need to go check out this Thai place. It's called, I'm probably butchering it, Pak Pak. Am I saying that right? That's right. And I said to you, Mark, let's have dinner. You were gracious to say yes, which I still don't know why. And I said, let's go have dinner at Pak Pak. And you're like, well, let me check the line. (laughs) Can you explain why you responded with, let me check the line? Well, Pock Pock's amazing, and it's pretty well known, and it's very often a place that people who come to Portland want to go eat at, and uh, so they don't take reservations unless you're a big group, and so you wait in a line to put your name in, and it's pretty much always the case that there's a line. Well, and rightfully so, because the social proof of this place is crazy, and then what we did was we put in our name, we, we chatted, Yep. so we had to wait to put in our name. Right. We chatted for maybe 15 minutes, maybe less, I don't know. And then we put in our name, only to wait 30, 45 minutes more. So we just went down the street, grabbed a coffee, sat under a heat lamp, which I recommend <laughs> in the winter in Portland, and chatted and then came back. And now we've had a nice meal. And I got to say, man, what a great experience. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I like to present our city with the best face it can have. Yeah. I, well, I'm a fan so far, but we had a unique experience, which you said was a very Portland experience. I wondering if you'd be willing to share that, because some people have never been to Portland, and they might get a good laugh out of it. <laughs> Well, we, uh, when we were waiting for our text message to let us know that we were up for a table, Jared wanted to have some coffee. And so we were walking down the street, and about two blocks down from Pock Pock is a food cart pod, which is kind of a Portland deal. It's a whole bunch of food carts gathered around on a piece of property with a covered area. And so we were uh, chatting there, and one of the food cart pods uh, had coffee. And so we headed over there to get some coffee, and when we were putting our order in... It turned out that this food cart pod was uh, a very specific phrase, plant-based only. And so when uh, we were asking about what we could get for our coffee and we were being given the list of different kinds of milk that could be used in our coffee, so milk from almonds and yes. soy and I believe also not, not hemp, cow. hemp milk, I think, was one of the options. There were lots of milks. No cow milk. Yes. And that would also mean no cream. No cream. So in the initial conversation when she let us know that she was a plant-based only food cart, then immediately after that, Jared asked for cream in his coffee (laughs) and was told again in a slightly condescending tone, we are only a plant-based food cart. Yes. Yes. And it was one of those moments where like, let me wipe the egg off my face. You know, a part of me could have been bitter or could have been like, hey, forget you. But I I didn't take it that way, Mark. I just laughed it off. I thought it was funny. You and I laughed. I think we're laughing at me, not with with me. But yeah, it was just one of those funny Portland, quirky moments. uh, I think makes people love Portland. 
but it was also kind of funny. I could see how some people would be like, listen here, lady. (laughs) But right. No, no, Portland is definitely a place that doesn't buy into the old customer is always right adage. But the the other side of that is that it's a place where people are super passionate about what they do and what they love. And so you find people like that who are really passionate for whatever reason about their plant-based food cart. And the city is full of people like that, that are super passionate about what they do and what they love. And that is really one of the things that makes it such a wonderful place. Mark, I want to share the story of how we first met. Uh, you and I, we met in Colorado a few years ago. And I remember at that conference that we met at, I met a number of people, and you stood out to me for a number of reasons. And we were joking about that tonight earlier, and you're like, really? Tell me more about that. And I heard you kind of explain a little bit about that experience and what that was like for you. And if you're willing, I want to take the conversation in that direction for a moment. Is You came across as a certain personality or a certain type when I met you, but now I've heard the full story of of that was a different experience for you. So tell us a little bit about what that experience was like for you, because I think there's people that can relate to that. Well, I'm an introvert and have always kind of felt in my life a little bit on the outside. Uh, I think the way I describe it to you was I've always kind of felt like the cool kids table was some other table than the one I was sitting at. So putting myself into new places and new situations always feels risky and it takes a lot of effort and energy. And so we met at a conference in Colorado and it was a conference that I had to kind of work myself up to go to. It was definitely something I wanted to go to to help myself grow. But I went there feeling insecure and feeling like I wasn't sure how I was going to fit. I wasn't sure how people were going to see me. And so it was one of those places in my life where I was going to put myself out there, where I was going to try and take a risk to learn and grow and stretch myself. And so it was interesting because my experience of the event was that it was taking me a lot of emotional energy to be present and to connect with people and to not get bogged down in my insecurity and fear. And your experience was something totally different than that. Yeah, so when I met you, I thought, here's someone who, first of all, if you see a picture of Mark on Facebook or online, you'll notice uh, he's got a very distinct look. And so he stands out in terms of of his appearance. And then when I met him, from what I recall, you kind of laughed. You were willing to talk to people. You you, you didn't strike me as just being, you know, someone in the corner being an introvert. Like, I could see you engaging and, and stuff. And because of the appearance and because of you having that effort, I just assumed right away that, hey, this is a person who's who's making smart moves, who's going to continue down this path and, of learning and taking things and using them and, and you know, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to hear that you had to work up for that conference because that's not the way I interpreted, you know, our first meeting at all. I didn't uh, see you struggling with that. And that, that's interesting. So how could that relate? this day and age, uh, like, it, or does it? I don't know, maybe, is there something for the listener that maybe you could say is a, a bit of encouragement if, if someone is navigating a certain circumstance and they, what, what, what's the, uh, the thought there? Well, a, a couple of things that come to mind, you know, one is that I think we all have to really let go of the insecurity we feel about what we think other people think of us. Because that experience we had just really showed my insecurities were not founded. People weren't thinking poorly of me. That was just all my junk in my own, in my head, you know, and we all have those fears and anxieties and they get in the way of living life the fullest that we can live it. They get in the way of relationships. They get in the way of moving forward uh, on the things that are our dreams. 
if we don't move past those, we we get stuck, you know. And that going to that conference was a was me taking a step of wanting to not be stuck. So that's the first thing I think is that you know get rid of the idea that people are thinking a certain way of you. Just be who you are, you know. And I think that the second thing was for me as a grown up. How important is it to stretch myself and to grow and to put myself into new situations where I'm learning? You know, we, we talked about how we have that expectation of our kids all the time. We want our kids to try new things. We want them to try new foods that they've never eaten before. We want them to try new activities. You know, and we push them to do that. Sometimes we even require them to do that. You know, you may have had conversations with your kid like I have, where they don't want to do something, and we say, "Well, you're going to try it this one time." You know, and so we have that expectation of our kids because we want them to grow. But then, as an adult, do we have that expectation of ourselves? Are we willing to put ourselves in places where we can grow, or are we content to stay in circumstances that are comfortable? That we can control and manage, where we can control the way people see us and our and control our feelings of discomfort. If we feel that way, we're not we're not going to grow. We're not going to improve in our business. We're not going to grow spiritually. We're not going to grow personally if we're not willing to go into that place. What what is that balance between using your strengths and you know sticking with what you're good at to excel, so to speak, versus allowing discomfort to stretch you and to grow you? And I I mean I see both sides of the coin. So I'm wondering if there is a balance, what do you think that is? Well, I had a professor in college that said that when he gave instructions for a test, the wrong person always heard the instructions. So if he would say on a question, please be concise, the people who would notice that be concise are the people who gave too little information to begin with. And if he said, please be thorough, the people who would take that instruction to heart were always the people who already give way too much information. And I think that applies here because you hear in a lot of leadership training, lean into your strengths. Right. Well, and that's not bad advice. It's great advice if you're not allowing that advice to be a hall pass to keep you from facing the things that are difficult for you. Right. If you lean into that and say, oh, well, I'm just only going to do the things I'm good at and I never am going to feel uncomfortable because I'm always going to do things that I'm respected for or I'm competent at. Well, then you are tapped out. You're not going to grow any further. You become the bottom of your own growth. Whereas if you are willing to be uncomfortable, which means that you're trying something new, you're doing something you're not good at, you're doing something that has a possibility of failure, that's when you're going to learn. That's when you're going to grow. You know, and so this very good advice, lean into your strength, actually can become, it can become a limiting factor for you if you use that as an excuse to not ever press into new things that are going to challenge you mentioned to me earlier that you ride motorcycles, right? I do. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here, but I'm kind of curious. What are some life lessons from motorcycles? <laughs> learning to ride a motorcycle, riding a motorcycle? I love that question. It's something I've actually thought about writing a book about. Because really? It's not really the crowd that mostly read my stuff, but I'll tell you what. Riding motorcycles is incredible an incredibly powerful teaching experience. Here's a couple things. The first thing is, what matters when you're riding a motorcycle is what's coming up in the next 10 seconds. Interesting. What's behind you doesn't matter. What's to your immediate left and right as you pass it doesn't matter. What matters is what is what intersections, what cars, what pedestrians, what dogs are in the next 10 seconds of roadway. And when you're riding, that's what you're, that, if you're going to live, that's what you're paying attention to. You're always paying attention to the next 10, next 15 seconds. 
And I think a lot of us in our lives get caught up in what happened in the last 15 seconds. You know, that conversation that went poorly and I keep rehearsing in my head how I feel so differently. Or the fight I got in with my wife last night. Or, you know, even some terrible thing that happened to me 10 years ago. What matters for the future of your life is how you choose to be in the next moment of your life. So that next interaction, that conversation with the person that's right in front of you, the decision that you're going to make today about how you're going to spend your time, that next, what you can visually see in front of you, that's the thing that matters. The second thing that really got me in real trouble on a motorcycle, I was um, riding around my neighborhood fairly early in my experience and um, found myself in a cul-de-sac. And as I was turning the corner on the cul-de-sac, I noticed a car parked on the on this curb. And the car was one of the newer model VW Bugs that were actually designed by Porsche, I think. Same folks that did the design for Porsche. And I'd not seen one of those in real life. And it was bright yellow and it was brand new. And so I'm turning the corner and this car is parked on the curb to my right. And because I was fascinated by this car, I was looking at the car. And what very nearly happened is I almost ran my motorcycle into the car. Oh, wow. Because motorcycles go where you look. And that means that you've got to be very intentional about where you're looking. And that's a life lesson, too. We get distracted all the time by uh, whatever is distracting us. You know, maybe it's an emotional thing or a relational thing. Maybe it's a TV show we're all into. And your eyes are on that. That's what you're paying attention to. And life is happening around you. And your life is headed in the direction of where you are looking. And if you want your life to go somewhere else, like if you don't want to ride your motorcycle into the car, you have to look someplace else. You have to change the focus of your vision. Well, there's lots of shiny objects, things that will That's right. <laughs> entice you. Yeah, um, yeah. That doesn't and, mean it's the right thing to be focused on. Right. I almost laid the motorcycle down because I did not want to crash my motorcycle into this guy's new car. You know, but that would have been a mess. I would have been hurt. The motorcycle would have been banged up, you know. And so you have to choose where you're looking, you know. And for me, as a follower of Jesus, that ties directly into this worldview that I have that I want to keep my eyes on Jesus and who Jesus is and the life Jesus has called me to. Somebody else may have a different perspective. That issue of focus is so critical, I think, to living a life that you enjoy, that's healthy, that's successful. Where are you looking? Where are you spending your time and attention focusing? Because that's where you're going to end up going. You mentioned to me earlier as well that you've got the book coming out this coming year. I want to talk about that process. So if you'd be willing to talk about how you got your published book deal, which I think is fascinating, and maybe chat a little bit about what the book's about, what's coming up. Okay, well, I have been in a process for several years of what I call emotional recovery. I grew up in both as a first child, as a type A child, as an adopted kid, growing up in a very conservative Christian denomination. I grew up with a set of circumstances that really led me to disconnect from my emotions. And then my dad died when I was 11, and not feeling was a survival mechanism for me. And the personality that developed out of that was a high-achieving, accomplishment-oriented, performance-focused person. That has worked for me. But then I got to this place in my life, you know, I was in my, you know, turning 40, and I had two young kids, and I have a marriage, and I'm working 70 hours a week at my job, and not really processing the things that were going on in my internal world. And the fruit of that was nearly losing all of that, nearly losing my marriage, probably my kids, nearly losing my ministry. And I ended up 
dealing with depression and having to go through this process of unpeeling these layers of my life so that I could connect again with my emotions. And the fruit of this is that I learned a lot about how emotions are really central for a life well-lived. And not only that, they're central for a life of faith. And I grew up in a church where emotions were really pushed to the side. At the best, they were seen as a distraction. At the worst, they were something that could lead you astray. And so as I began in my own journey of recovery and counseling to unwrap these things, I began to have conversations with other people about this. I preached a couple series of sermons about this, and they were some of the most positive response I've ever had from anything I've ever preached was from people saying, I need to understand this more. I need to know how emotions fit into my life better than I do now. And so that led to me writing a book. Well, I had no idea, you know, how to get a book published or anything like that. And a friend of mine um, was involved with a writer's conference here in Portland, the Faith and Culture Writers Conference, and she invited me to attend. And I was at this moment where I had decided, you know, I need to try some things that are uncomfortable for me. I need to push into these places where I don't know how it's going to go. I need to take some risks. And so I went to the website. I went to register. And I was just full of this attitude of, I'm going to try this. I'm just going to throw myself out there. And part of the registration was signing up for a slot where you could pitch a book to an acquisitions editor or an agent. And I just, like I said, was so full of this, I'm going to try it. I'm going to throw myself out there that I just signed up for all the slots. I had no idea what I was doing. I just signed up all for the slots. And when I told my friend about it, she was shocked. She said, you signed up for all of those? Are you, you know, do you have a book pitch? No. Do you know what you're going to say? No. And so then I started panicking because then I went to the website and I saw the names of all these editors and acquisitions editors and agents. And these are real people, you know, that represent real authors and work for real publishing houses. And I started to panic. What am I going to do? Obviously, these people are going to think I'm an idiot. They're going to think I have, you know, I'm wasting their time. All those insecurities started coming up. And uh, so I reached out to some friends I'd met online that were writers, and I shared what was coming up for me, and they gave me some good counsel. And I put together a book pitch and went to this conference and pitched the book back to back five times to five different editors and, uh, and agents. And it was uh, insane. And it got done with that process, and three of them wanted to see full proposals. And it, it was all because of this thing I've been trying of putting myself out there, being willing to put myself into uncomfortable circumstance that I was sure I was going to fail at. I was absolutely convinced. I had no, I, no idea what I was doing. I didn't belong there. But I put myself into that space, and now two years later, the book is coming out in September. What an exciting story. And congratulations. I mean, this book didn't write itself, of course. You had to toil through that process. Yeah. I'm excited about this next year and, and that book. And uh, just to see your journey over the last few years, congrats, Mark, on that. Uh, as we start to wrap up here, uh, two questions. First of all, uh, where can people connect with you online? Everything that I do can be found by going to my website, www.markalanshelsky.com, M-A-R-C-A-L-A-N-S-C-H-E-L-S-K-E. And you can link from there to all the other places I'm at. I write there regularly. I write in other places too, but you can find all that right there. And the last question, of course, is final thoughts. Final thoughts. If you're in Portland, you should go to Pock Pock. It's good food. <laughs> you should come to Pock Pock. And why not invite Mark? You know, invite Mark. Maybe he'll say yes. I would be happy to have any of you come to Portland and eat at Pock Pock. You with me. will likely be waiting in line. So you will. Uh, plan ahead. All right, Mark, thank you and best wishes with the book. Thank you, Jared.